You probably know in your heart that if you systematize your business, you could save time, scale, grow faster. Shoot, you might even be able to create a franchise. So what's holding you back? How do you have your cake and eat it too? My next guest explains how. Stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today I have a terrific guest for you. He's Alexis Kingsbury. Alexis is an award-winning entrepreneur who currently runs two businesses while also serving as a board member, business consultant, and coach. Alexis has figured out what holds business owners back from systematizing their businesses to save them time and allow them to grow. He also knows how others overcome those roadblocks, and he's here to share those findings with us today. So welcome to Business Confidential Now, Alexis. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. It's good to have you. So this whole idea of systematizing a business, you know, it sounds very robotic. So please help us understand what you mean by systemizing or systematizing a business and why it's a smart thing to do. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, my background before I started my own businesses was as a process consultant or a management consultant, particularly specializing in process improvement and ways of working between teams and improvement collaboration and so on. And so back when I worked with typically large and very large organizations, I was helping them to improve their processes, improve their ways of working. But what I found when I then started my own businesses is there is a stage early on that it is far too early to systemize your business. Yet the temptation is sometimes that startups too early, they jump into wanting to automate and create processes and try and delegate things that they haven't yet worked out what works, right? They haven't got their sales processes, marketing processes, or operations processes down pat, but they try and systemize their things. But on the flip side, and not all startups uh, try and do that, but I know certainly that's something that I try to do, and I know other business owners that have done it too. But on the other side, if you leave it too long, if you let your business run by the seat of its pants or to run and allow chaos into it, after a while, it really does hold it back. And it creates a very chaotic and stressful environment for you and your team to develop and grow the business. And ultimately, it will typically hold back the growth of the business, or at the very least, make it a uncomfortable uh, place to, to work. And eventually, you will find that when you're trying to add new members to the team and so on, it just starts to grind to a halt. So systemizing the business is about, at the right point, putting in the processes, and in some cases, systems and automation, but often I think people go to that too early, but even just the, the models to make the business work effectively and efficiently based on what you've identified and confirmed works well. Okay. Well, that sounds like a smart thing to do. But as a startup or a small business that's in its early stages, how do you know when you're ready to systematize? Because as you said, some people just start too early, start to put these straight jackets on themselves and they really haven't figured it out quite yet. So how do you know when you've got it? Absolutely. Well, and, and that's one of the, the tricky bits to this, right? But the 
time to know or the, or the the sorts of symptoms that start to appear that tell you that as a small business owner or as a startup that you need to start that process because it isn't it isn't the case that one day you suddenly need to go from no processes, no documentation, no systemization to everything documented. It's a step by step process. So the symptoms that you start to find is that as the as a business owner or as a as a key leader, you start to identify that you are very much stuck in the business. You are doing the operations of the business, um, but the things that you're doing are good. You are able to attract potential clients. You are able to convert those clients into sales. You are able to serve those sales and make them happy and turn that into money and turn that into cash and so on. And so you've worked that process out. You're not in a situation where you haven't got your first clients yet, or you've got your clients, but you haven't really worked out how to deliver amazing service and so on. When you've got those things that are starting to work, the next challenge you'll start to find is that you're running out of time. You're not able to spend more time doing lead generation because you've got to serve the customers that are already lining up. Or you've sold so many customers, but you're struggling to meet the demand and as a result are having to hold back. When you start to hit those limits, when you start to struggle to balance your time, that's typically the right time to be documenting and delegating some of the key processes that are working. And crucially, the ones that are working are the ones to document and delegate, not the ones that are untested or causing problems or still need exploring. Well, that makes a lot of sense. But how hard is it to systemize or systematize? I feel like our accents are saying tomato, tomato here, but that's okay. (laughs) I mean, how hard is it? Because, you know, the thing is, one thing that attracts people to being an entrepreneur is having that freedom and to make changes on the fly and not to be bound by all these regulations and rules that tell them, well, you have to take this step and then the next step, even though it makes a lot of sense. But how hard is it to do? I love that because I think there's often a misconception around systemization. People imagine that once you've systemized your business, that you're essentially removing the creativity and the fun and the flexibility. And actually, I found the opposite can be true. And I'll I'll come back to exactly why that is. But in terms of how difficult it is, I think the problem and what I discovered when with starting um, my most recent business, which is Air Manual, which is an online tool for documenting processes and onboarding as interactive checklists, um, we developed that tool and we shared it with business owners and leaders and said, this is fantastic. This is absolutely what I need to be able to document these processes and start to improve our ways of working and free up our time. But what we then found is that they didn't do anything with the tool. So what we found is that the problem is often that they set the goal too big. They'd start with this idea of I need to systemize the whole business. When you set that as the goal, then it's incredibly tricky and difficult. And you just don't have the time because at the same time of thinking, oh, yes, I need to systemize the business. You're thinking, I also need to bring in another 100 leads and convert them into another 10 sales and then deliver to those. And then I've got to do my finances. I've got to do my taxes. and I've got to do all these things. And actually, you don't need to systemize the whole business on day one. You just need to take one task, one process that's taking up your time, get it documented. And by documented, it can literally mean a series of steps that you are currently taking to do that job and get that passed to someone else, whether that's 
an outsourced virtual assistant, whether it's a team member that you're taking on, whatever, or even using it yourself just to speed up the process of perhaps some of the more mundane or complex or time-consuming tasks. And that really brings me back to that point around systemization and documenting processes, having those checklists and things doesn't remove the flexibility and creativity, and it doesn't stifle the flexibility to change things if you do it right. And doing it right means keeping it simple and making sure that you're using the checklist as a guide, as a tool that helps you to effectively deliver the process that you're looking to to deliver, whether it's an effective sale or delivering the product or service to the client or whatever it is. But or send an invoice, as simple as that, um, but to do so without having to spend a load of time thinking, wait, what was that step I needed to get do again? Which chart of accounts do I apply this in my accounting system? Where's that email template I need to use when I'm onboarding the client? Where's that proposal template that I need to use? Like That is wasted time for the business leader and time that they could be using to be creative. And actually, not only that, not only coming up with new things or working on other stuff, but actually improving the process. Because if you've created a process, let's say, for sending out a proposal to a client and you've got your template proposal and you've got your template email and your series of steps, you might, while going through that process, realize, actually, you know what, this template could be improved slightly or this email, I should have a follow-up email that I send a couple of days later. And what you need is the ability to very quickly make that change in the process at that point. And so you can see that having it documented doesn't remove the creativity, the flexibility, the ability to improve, quite the opposite. It allows you to very quickly go through the bits that are established and clear and obvious or definitely work and make improvements as you go along. And those small improvements built up over weeks, months, years are what become the most valuable assets in your business because they are fundamentally the answer to how do we successfully deliver and sell to our customers. And therefore, as you start to grow and you scale and you resource and give people those processes that they can operate them and then ideally improve them even further, it allows you to scale the business without it being dependent on you as the leader. Wow. That's a lot to digest, <laughs> but it's, it's all good. And I especially like the part that it doesn't put you in a straitjacket. If anything, it allows you to continue improving the process. But I'm curious, in your experience in dealing with entrepreneurs and small and medium-sized businesses that are systemizing uh, portions of their business, is there a particular place to start that is easier to systematize than another? Is it in the sales aspect? Is it the finance aspect? I mean, help me out here. Is, you know, for somebody who's looking for a small success and a win to say, yeah, I've created a process around here. I'm following some of Alexis's suggestions here and I feel good because now I know I have a checklist. I have uh, some documentation that if something happens to me, the business can go on. Where would be a good place to start if you, you know, you've just had the Wild West up to now and you want to start putting your arms around it? Absolutely. And I think that's crucial. I think as, exactly as you say, often it's best to, rather than to try and completely solve the whole problem, it's to step into that Wild West and say, OK, I'm going to start with one area. 
And it can depend a bit on the business and where they're at and so on. But, but typically the way that I would approach it or one of my consultants on, a, on the course with the businesses that we work with would approach it is to explore, firstly, where is their pain? What's the challenge or obstacle that's holding the business back right now? For example, maybe it's that the business owner just doesn't have enough time. There's so much more that they could do, but they're just firefighting constantly. That would be the first thing to address. And so I'd be looking at, okay, where are they spending their time? Like one business owner that we work with, he said to me, I was on a, on a call with him, and he said, oh, Alexis, the, I know we need to do this. I know we definitely need to document our processes and get in the position where we can save this time. And I'm just absolutely run ragged, but I, I just don't know where to start. And I said, well, where are you spending a big chunk of your time? He said, well, I'm spending three hours a day doing price quotes for customers. I said, three hours a day? Okay, that's a lot of time that you're spending doing that. So why is that not, why is this problem not already solved? He says, I know, and I really need to document it. And I figure it's probably taking about eight hours. I just haven't found the time. Now, of course, the, those of you that are astute at maths will realize that it would only take three days of three hours a day for him to get a return on investment on eight hours of time invested. The reality for many of us as business owners is that it's hard to take that step back and to make that time to get that, that time back. But I said to him, well, we've got 45 minutes left of this call. Let's see what we can do. And in 45 minutes, we documented the entire end-to-end process of how to do a price quote in his business, including the variances, the criteria, the decisions, the applying of a profit margin and discounts and all these various things. And in a subsequent call, we're able to then hand that across to account managers in his sales team. That saves him three hours per day as a result of 45 minutes of mapping it and half an hour of handing it over to the sales and account manager team. Now, the most amazing thing for me for that is that we typically do these impact review calls with customers seeing, okay, what's been the impact? And so I gleefully turned up to this impact review call expecting that the biggest impact was this three-hour save. And it wasn't. What they said was that was what was even more valuable to them than that was the fact that customers were able to get price quotes within hours or even minutes rather than previously having to wait days or even over a week because they're having to wait for the business owner to be available to do the price quote. And as a result, their conversions were going up, their sales were going up and so on. So not only had they unlocked their most valuable asset, the business owner, for three hours per day, but also they were able to make more sales in the business. And that's from doing one process. So I'd say in some cases, it is a case of just looking at where are you currently spending your time and getting that documented. Now, some people will find that an easy thing that they can do themselves. Some people, indeed a lot of people I'm finding, (laughs) aren't a process geek like me and members of my team. <laughs> Instead, they struggle to get it out of their brain and into a checklist. And so as, as a result, I recommend getting someone, whether it's within your team or a coach or a member of uh, our team or whatever, to help go through that process of getting it out of your brain and into a checklist because the return of investment on the time spent is so incredible. Uh, that's one example where the issue is the business owner time being the blocker. In other cases, it might be that you're bringing in new members of staff and you're spending so much time onboarding them. So sometimes it makes sense to start with onboarding. In other cases, it might be that you need to look at your core business flow from 
attracting a lead through sales, through to delivery and finance. And so it might be about looking for that end-to-end flow and where the bottleneck is. But those are typically one of the three places I'd look. So either freeing up the business owner's time, uh, looking at how you onboard members of staff, or looking at your core business flow and where those bottlenecks are. Thank you for that. You know, I'd be curious on that, like this impact call that you have. Those sound great. And in the example that you gave, besides the customers or future customers getting their quotes turned around quicker and the volume of sales going up proportionately as a result of that, I'd also be curious to know the people that now have the responsibility for those quotes, how do they feel about it? This is something that the boss had previously done right? The business owner, because it was so important. And now they're taking on this important role and it raises their status as being more pivotal in the organization, I would think. Absolutely. And I think the one of the things I love most about when processes like this get documented and delegated over is that I think sometimes as the business owner, you worry that you're handing over these poorly defined or boring or administrative or whatever tasks to people. And you almost feel bad for it. It's a really funny thing. But of course, exactly as you say, generally when an employee is able to take on a task that the business owner deemed valuable enough that they would spend the time doing it, they feel hugely empowered. They feel valued as a team member because they're able to take this off the business owner's plate. And so I think that's what's so amazing about this process is that for the business owner, they're taking something that's painful to them and frustrating and possibly their lowest value activity or or the thing that means that they're most likely to get disrupted on holiday or whatever it is, and they're able to hand that to other team members and other resources. And as a result, not only does the business owner elevate their ability to have impact, but actually they're also doing the team a great a valuable thing. And I think that's just so nice to see. And as you mentioned, on the impact review calls that we do, which I'll very happily talk more about, because I, I think impact review calls are something that many other businesses can, can benefit from doing. The feedback that we get, both from the business leaders, but actually the teams on the impact and the enjoyment and the, the comfort and, and opportunity it gives for them to be more involved in processes and more involved in the continuous improvement. It's just so amazing. It's so lovely to see and why I love this space, really. Well, I can hear in your voice how much you enjoy it and the satisfaction that it brings you, which is wonderful because we, we all should have that same type of passion for what we do. But you know, Alexis, you're telling me all these fabulous things that come out of the documentation and the systemizing of a business process. So why don't more businesses do it? Why, in your experience, what are some of the common reasons people give you for, oh, I just didn't do it, or I can't, or don't want to? What's going on? (laughs) That's a good question. So I think it it does vary for different people, and different people have been coming back. So I think in some cases, perhaps, they're a bit, a bit like how I used to be because when I first started my businesses, I was an absolute control freak. And I just, when I did bring people into the team, I found it took hours and hours to get people up to standard to do something that perhaps took me minutes per week. And so the payback on that was months. And I was, you know, great at getting stuff done. So I was typically able to do stuff twice as fast as others. And I kind of just assumed that people had knowledge or skills that I thought were standard, but I was wrong. 
And I was also, I also struggled to be a good people manager. I, in fact, I'd been told in the past that I was a bad manager or, well, before I was even a manager, I was told that I would never be a good manager. So I lacked those people skills. And then when I hired my first people, I started to realize that perhaps they or think that they were right because I'd get annoyed if people were doing things wrong and so on. And I think so in some cases, I think people's first barrier is that they aren't ready or willing to let go. They worry that if they start letting go of the things that they're doing, that they will be done poorly, that they will take longer, that or perhaps they do start trying to hand them over to other people. And they find that they get asked questions multiple times, the same question over and over. And I think the, the mistake is to think, oh, well, yeah, delegation and hiring people and so on is not for me then. Instead, the approach that I took and that ultimately completely changed my businesses and as a result my life was when I started to document, here's the checklist, and then use that to train the team so that when they come with a question, I'm able to say, oh, that's a really good point. I haven't got that in the checklist. Let's put it in together or even better. I said to them, okay, I'll answer the question and then say, right, please update the checklist. And you know what? I never get asked the same question again. And so I'm never going back in and so on. And so that has been a, a critical thing for me is, is changing from control freak that's frustrated that people don't seem to just be able to do what I've told them to do into being able to be this really supportive manager that now as a result, you know, I love having team members and I get great feedback on my management of them, but largely because I never have to get frustrated that <laughs> they don't do the things uh, that I'm expecting them to do because I'm much clearer in my expectations and the steps. So I think that's one of the things is just getting over that, that reluctance to hand it over. But on the flip side, not doing a poor job of delegation where you essentially abdicate from role, you just hand it over. So I think that's, that's one, of the, one of the challenges is getting that balance right. I think the other thing is this weird paradox where people say they haven't got the time to find the time. You know, it's the classic thing of if someone's struggling to manage their time, you might say, you need to go on a time management course. And of course, what's the answer to that? I haven't got the time. And that's the challenge is, you know, great podcasts like yours challenge business owners and leaders to step back and say, here's my biggest challenge. I need to make the time for this and invest that time. Because in the, the experience that we've had is that, in fact, you know, using impact review calls, We've identified that people have had three, four, eight, 16 times their time back within a month of working with us and documenting these processes. And yet, you, that's great. And I'm super happy about that. You kind of look at it and almost go, it's almost embarrassing or weird that they hadn't done it sooner. But I think we're all a bit guilty of that. We all put off, you know, why do today what could be put off to tomorrow? And I think that's the risk for that. So I think that's some of the reasons. So being too much of a control freak, having bad experience of handing over to people in the past and not documenting well enough, and also not being willing to in, invest in, in putting that, putting those steps in to do it. Those are three of the biggest issues of why people don't even get started with this thing. And then we've talked before about the ones that do then get started sometimes go too big and as a result it becomes this massive project in their minds when actually you can just start small, start delegating, documenting and delegating a few processes and you quickly build up some momentum. Well, I can see how those are compelling reasons, but by the same token, when the pain is big enough, people eventually do that. 
or they hit their ceiling and then that's that's just it. They're in business for themselves, which, you know, down the road is going to make it very hard for them to sell their business because it's all in their head. And that's not transferable. It's just not transferable. So people have to take the time to work on their business every once in a while, not just in their business. And I really appreciate that you are helping folks through that process and think through it and evaluate it. And kudos to you for your shift in management style to actually engage your employees in some joint problem solving instead of trying to do it all yourself. And then when they don't understand, because they don't think like you, (laughs) getting frustrated and angry, which only frustrates (laughs) them more. So you've found a good balance and a happy medium here. So Alexis, thank you so much for your time and for shedding some light on this important aspect of business growth. Because really, I don't know how anybody can scale if they don't have processes in place that other people can understand, can improve on, in, in order to grow the business. Otherwise, you're limited to your 24 hours a day and you have to sleep sometimes. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Alexis Kingsbury, you can find that information in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from today's interview and the great tips that Alexis had, please tell them about this podcast episode, share the link, and please leave a positive review. Thank you for listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelschner. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.